The Rough Drafts Podcast is sponsored by Unicorn.com, the world's premier eSport betting site. Log on today to bet on all your favorite eSports titles at the simple click of a button. Choose your game, choose your team, earn Unicorns, and who knows, maybe you'll earn enough to enter to win any number of fabulous prizes, such as Logitech peripherals or CSGO skins in their marketplace. Unicorn.com. Log on today. Hello, Internet. This is Chase Redshaw King Wassenaar. I'm a free agent, head coach, and analyst, as well as a contributor at Slingshot Esports. And welcome to the Rough Drafts Guess the Lions podcast presented by Slingshot Esports. We're talking about North America, week one. We're here. We're excited. We get best of threes across three different days. And of course, when I say we, I am referring to none other than my good friend, Walter Ciedis Fedchuk. Walter, how you doing, man? 50 hours, potentially, of League of Legends action, all crammed pack into four days. I'm excited. I have got my coffee slash Red Bull supplements because I don't drink either of those things. But I'm excited. I'm ready to do this. Let's get into it. Let's do it, man. It's I'm ready. You know, we did uh, our European breakdown yesterday, which if you haven't listened to yet, you definitely should. But the thing that I like about this North America season, it really does feel like there's a huge range of possibilities here. There are a couple kind of obvious tiers of teams, but once you get away from the just straight up, you know, one team should overpower the other, the rest of these middle of the pack games should be really close. And given the best of three format, I think we could see a lot of series go to three games this week. I'm so excited to talk about it. And let's just give a quick recap for people who, maybe missed yesterday and want to know exactly what this guest the lions podcast is we use a plus minus system based on the odds of unicorn.com the premier esports betting site that we work with on all these things we break down every series giving our predictions about what we like what we're looking forward to in a particular matchup and then we each try to guess where the casinos have placed the odds now a minus odd means that you have to bet that much money to win a hundred dollars so a minus 150 bet would mean that you'd have to bet $150 to get 100 back for a total of $250. Now, a plus odd means that that's how much money you get when you bet $100. So if it was plus 150 and you bet $100, you would win $250 back. Minuses are obviously your favorites. Pluses are your underdogs. We're going to try to see which one of us can guess the favorites most accurately. Whoever gets the most points wins the week. Whoever wins the most weeks wins the split. And that means messing with the other person's social media account, which is just wonderful, as Walter's Twitter profile picture can reveal. Walter, you, yesterday was not the best start. Have you changed up your, your idea as, to, as far well, as how you're attacking North America here? I definitely have because I underestimated how high Unicorn was willing to go on the first games of the week. And to me, the matchups in North America are going to be much, much closer than some of those in Europe. Uh, but that does not mean that there wasn't one matchup that I went a little bit astronomically high uh, for myself. So 
we'll we'll see when that one happens how close or how far away i am yeah it's gonna be an interesting one i i think we should start though with the first match on friday it is the rematch from the north american lcs finals a grudge match if ever there is one in north america tsm versus clg the last time these two teams played afremu was making really backhanded comments towards double lift uh, there was obviously a very close three to two series in the finals there. And then CLG went on to do crazy things at MSI. So, Walter, what are you most looking forward to seeing in this series? What is the matchup that you as a TSM fan are waiting to see come to fruition here? One of the things that's always been TSM's sort of strength, especially when they go into international play, is when they have time to sit back and come up with a game plan for a particular series. We've seen this at IEM Katowice's. We've seen them when they went to Worlds. We've seen them just have some success when you get to these best of series. And it's not just that they're going to get cheesed one game. We've seen over the course of their history that one game cheese is a thing you do against TSM. We've seen, we saw Gravity do it with Keen and picking, you know, mid Hecarim and mid Urgot into Bjergsen Zed. We've seen weird top laners that sent Dyrus onto a tilt fest. Like, it's easy to tilt TSM if they aren't prepared, but the level of preparation that most teams have in their minds that are necessary for best of series is something that TSM is really good at. They're really good at just preparing for best of series. Uh, so when I think about how these two teams are going to interact with each other, what they're going to do, because we're guaranteed at least two games, and historically, it's been like 50-50. TSM wins half the games, CLG wins half the games. Even though it's in spurts, there'll be spurts where TSM wins like six or seven games in a row, and CLG then wins you know, six or seven games in a row, and it goes back and forth like that. Um, it will be interesting to see how each team plans for the other, where the priorities lie in terms of champion picks, in terms of where they're going to devote their resources. And then, of course, the, the storyline is Afromu had the spring split with his protege AD Carry and Stixay. Now it's Doublelift's turn to bring a protege under his tutelage in Biofrost. So that interaction will also be very interesting to watch and to see if either team wants to seek out that 2v2 bot lane. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. And for me, I'm just looking at this. If I'm a TSM player or I'm part, you know, I'm Reggie, I look at what happened with CLG at MSI. And I'm saying this entire time, that could have been us. We were one game away. The games that we won were very decisively in our favor. We have the ability, the sheer talent on our roster to make this work. And if you don't think TSM wants to come out and prove that they can hang with a team like CLG, that they can be the ones that people need to fear heading into this regular season, then you haven't been following TSM very long. That said, I, I do think you make a very good point in looking at this Biofrost double lift bot lane the uh, the bio lift, as the TSM fans are calling it. This is a huge amount of pressure for Biofrost to be under in the first series on which he'll hit the LCS stage. Aphromoo is one of those wily veterans that really knows how to manage himself in the lane, knows how to handle these back-and-forth trades and really get the most out of every exchange. That's going to be something that Biofrost has to adjust to rather quickly. Uh, having to do it against who is arguably the best support in North America probably doesn't help 
But at the same time, there are other paths to victory here. Walter, if, if you are TSM, outside of just prepping for the series, which, let's be real, Zix is also incredible at. I don't think Zix and CLG are going to be any less prepared from a strategic perspective. Where does TSM have to go if they're going to look for the potential uh, point of attack here? Well, the, the point of attack for TSM is going to be the CLG Achilles heel that has been it since the beginning of the spring split, and that's Huey in the mid lane. Huey is not as talented as Bjergsen. Bjergsen can absolutely just style on him one-on-one if they get to that point. The problem is that in some of these earlier matchups, you have more utility and control mage, you know, dominated matchups between Huey and Bjergsen, and that takes away some of Bjergsen's carry potential. We're still seeing similar meta here where we're seeing Victor and Azir's. Maybe TSM will come up with something funky. Maybe they'll have something weird. Maybe CLG will have something weird. Remember, this is, you know, they played Aurelian Soul. They were the first team to play Aurelian Soul at MSI. So it'll be very interesting to see how TSM decides to attack Hui or decides to attack what I perceive is the very obvious weakness and then how CLG defends that or CLG tries to deflect that or do they just do something really, really safe with Hui, like play the Aurelian Soul and just have him farm and go back a million times. So that's where I think the target's going to be and rightly so. Hui is the weak link on that roster. Yeah, I think that's the way you have to play it. And the key is going to be if CLG can make it a 2v2 and win it that way. Xsmithy did such a great job of being a supportive jungler last split and really putting all of his solo lanes in a position to succeed, which really helped account for some of who he's other weaknesses in the lane. But if I'm Sven Skarin, I've been listening to all of the people who have been speculating like, Man, wouldn't it be interesting if TSM signed Dardock since there have been all those problems over there, reportedly? Uh, wouldn't that be a fun signing? And if I'm Spence Garen, I want to prove right now, no, I think we're fine where we are. I think I'm going to be the guy for this team. So I wouldn't be surprised if Spence Garen comes out and really tries to make some plays uh, to prove that he is the one who should be the guy for TSM. Walter, all of this taken into account, where do you think the line is on this? So CLG won the last matchup and, you know, recently they've really had TSM's number, especially with the roster that they've currently constructed. Uh, So I think CLG are the favorites, but at the same time, we do have to remember that was a very close series and we're banking on the fact that Biofrost is going to fit better in the bot lane than Yellowstar. So I have CLG at minus 155. Wow, you got that nearly exactly. Congratulations. I said CLG minus 140. It is CLG minus 156. So off to a strong start there. I think that's a very fair line, and yet somehow TSM plus 120 is still enticing to me. I mean, absolutely. We have no real idea about who's going to win that match. It's going to be a very close series. And just, I don't want to get you down, because remember yesterday on the EU podcast, I almost nailed the first pick too. So, and then you you ran away with the rest of the rest of the day. So, yeah, just the difference yeah. is I can see the rest of my picks, and unlike, <laughs> and unlike yesterday, I feel like there's some more wiggle room for you. Which let's go on to the game two uh, of that Friday series of games. It is Team Envious versus NRG. This is an interesting one to me. I have 
a lot of mixed feelings about both of these rosters. Obviously, NRG has done just a complete overhaul. Uh, Envious has taken some of the best parts of two teams that were relegation-bound last split and are hoping that that kind of comes together. Walter, when you look at this matchup, what are you looking for in, in either of these teams to kind of form an identity early in this split as to what they're going to be? Because right now it does feel like both of these teams' identity is very much up in the air. Well, for me, I'm looking to see if the assertions of the renegades when Seraph and Ninja were brought up right before Red Elegation, and they said they were going to be a top two team in North America. I'm really curious to see how exact they were about that. Maybe some of that has to do with how good Freeze was as an AD carry, and they thought that the core of Freeze and Ninja and Seraph was enough to propel them up there and now they're going to be dealing with Lot and Niantanso but they seem very assertive there's a lot of you know analysts and people in the scene that have been involved in scrims and whatnot that are saying they think Envy is going to be a top 16 and really going to be contesting for a playoff spot so to me that's the big question is was that all bluster is that all just they're really good in scrims Seraph is really good when there's no pressure on them or is that true and Envy is really going to be a true contender in the NALCS? Yeah. From Envious's perspective, I mean, the thing I just look at is I think Ninja has the potential to be a top three mid laner in the region. And I know that's saying a lot because the mid lane talent in North America has genuinely improved over the last couple splits, mostly because they've imported almost all of their mid laners at this point. But Ninja's really, really good at League of Legends. He has the ability to hard carry a lane when it's needed. He's really good on champions that roam and are able to take advantage of that. He's got a very good sense of when to make trades efficiently. And Proxen, for all of the weaknesses that he has, he does a good job of being in the right place at the right time. He didn't necessarily execute as well. I think his mechanics had some flaws, but... As a general rule, I think his game sense was was fine. I, and I think that if he can get Ninja and Seraph going by just being there when they need him to turn around a lane and when they feel comfortable making those trades, then Envious is going to put themselves in a very good spot. But NRG, on the other hand, Walter, I mean, these are guys that we either haven't seen in a while or certainly haven't seen in this combination. Quas has come back. Santorin has come back after some time over at Huma in the Challenger series. Uh, and now we have OQ and Kiwi Kid in the bot lane, which is one of those sentences that if you said two years ago, you would have been thrown out of any sort of gathering that you had been at. I think the entire world would have just turned on you at that point. Yet this is the world we live in. It is truly the dankest timeline. So what are you expecting from NRG in terms of how you think they're going to play the game? I feel like the OKID bot lane might actually be uh, uh, like a match made in heaven. I think they're both really aggressive playmakers. And this is not against OQ. Everyone thinks he's a god among men when it comes to being an AD carry. This has everything to do with no one thinks Kiwi Kid is very good. And I, I, don't, I don't buy that. I'm a Kiwi Kid fan. I'm a Kiwi Kid supporter. And I think that he still has that potential to grow. And I just look at the rosters that he's ha he has had around him. 
And they have not been nearly as talented as this one. He's never played with a mid laner and AD carry combination like GBM and OQ. He's played with like Shifter and Apollo. And that just doesn't feel like having two really super passive carries. It doesn't seem to fit Kiwi Kid's style of really aggressive engages. So when I look at this team, I see Quas and Santorin being very much utility role players around the two main carries and Kiwi Kid being like the primary shot caller, the primary engager, the primary go button and trying to build a team that has layers of the engage, the protection, and then the damage on the back end with OQ and GBM. So I'm a little bit higher on this O Kid bot lane than a lot of people. And I think that this could be a decent team. I think them and Envious are really going to spend a majority of the season going back and forth in the standings with with one or two other teams. Yeah, I think it's definitely in play. You know, on the one hand, the Kiwi could argument, I think you're absolutely right that OQ is by far the most aggressive AD carry he's played with in his career outside of Mamie Abacutie Pie. And that's a whole different series of problems that that bot lane had. But on the other hand, to, to counter your point on GBM, GBM is not a very good landing mid laner. He does like to play passively. He's going to be better at it than Shifter. He's got a much deeper champion pool than Shifter does. But that does not mean that Kiwi Kid is going to be any more lucky making roams and trying to hard engage in that mid lane area. I just don't see GBM playing that way. I almost feel like it encourages Quas to play more aggressively. You know, we always used to talk back during his time at Team Liquid slash Curse about how he had all of these you know, picks that could carry games and they just never let him play it. Well, guess what? Swain top lane is not a non-meta thing. We've seen this happen in competitive play. Quas used to be known for it. I would love to see him play that kind of champion and really make a more active impact on this team. But Walter, all of this taken into account, where do you think the line is on this game? I think that these two teams are going to be incredibly close in the standings. Like I said, there, there's you know a, a set amount of tiers in how you break down the professional scene, and I think there's like there's probably three tiers here where you have you know your your top contenders for the title. Then you have this mishmash in the middle of you know some pretty good teams that maybe if things go their way they could be a contender, but if things go the wrong way then they're not a contender. And then you know the like the two teams that really aren't going to be contenders. And I have envy and energy right in that middle tier. Uh, so I'm going to say it's energy because they've been in the League of Legends scene and I think their carries are a little bit more trustworthy. You can you can believe in them a little bit more. They've been more successful and go energy at minus 130. OK, I get this one. You went too low. I said energy minus 160. NRG minus 222. I not a lot of respect for envy right there. I'm surprised by this. Okay, can we pause so I don't have to bleep this? What the f***? <laughs> can you please keep it in and just bleep it? <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> sure, I'll just bleep it. What the... God damn it. Why? <laughs> Why? I have the same question. I don't Why? know... I don't know what it is about NRG that they're so confident about. This is... Four of the five guys have changed out. We have no idea how good this team is going to be. We do know how good Seraph and Ninja were. Why? It's just, here's the thing, Walter. You just got to 
you think about it this way. We get Envy at plus 165 in this series. God. That's, I, as, a, as a gambling expert, as it says on our Twitter profiles, <laughs> I love when I get lines like Envy plus 165. This is what I dream about at night. I think to myself, man, can someone give me pretty nice upset odds in a series that should be a 50-50 shot? Thank you. I appreciate it. I, you know, this is not to say that NRG cannot win this series. I like the way NRG is built. I think they should be the favorites, but not minus 222. That is, uh, no. that is a lot. Let's go to Saturday's games. Uh, Cloud9 versus Immortals. Now, obviously, Immortals had an incredible regular season. Uh, fans who were very excited to see what they do in the playoffs before they decided Lucian Top was what they should do in the playoffs and found their way back in the third place game. Meanwhile, Cloud9 has finally moved away from the high system. They have put Bunny Fufu in there. They have Meteos and Impact now replacing Balls and Rush. Walter, what is the matchup to watch when you see these two teams? What is the lane that you're going to be paying the most attention to? To me, it is going to be the the bot lane, the 80 carry battle between Sneaky and Wild Turtle. Uh, because there's still a very, very strong 80 carries that you can play. And I think that there are 80 carries that both teams are really going to be on the lookout for. The the Ezreal and the Lucian especially. Uh, Ezreal is kind of more sneaky style and Lucian's more wild turtle style. Uh, turtle can also fall back to the Caitlyn that's been really popular lately. And Sneaky can fall back to the Ash, which we've seen prop itself up here and there in Korea. So I think that matchup is going to be very interesting. I think that Wild Turtle has a little bit of an advantage because he already has the synergy with his support. He's played with Adrian a full split where Bunny Fufu and Sneaky might still be trying to get on the same page. And it's really going to be if Wild Turtle can go another split of having this relentless aggression and not being punished for it. Or is it just that he's gotten to the point where now he just does it so safe? Or that he's well, so well protected by Adrian that this aggression doesn't matter? It doesn't matter how aggressive he gets. Someone's guarding his back. So Sneaky versus Wild Turtle is where I'm going to be keeping my eyeballs focused for the majority of the game. Yeah, I think that's entirely fair. Especially now that the new Tarek is a thing. I want to see if Adrian's gotten a hold of that at all. Obviously, he tends to go with more ranged supports. Uh, because those are the ones that usually have the same kind of healing or saving utility. But that ultimate with Tarek meshed with Wild Turtle's desire to just run in seems like the kind of thing that would be absolutely terrifying. I, I don't know. I haven't really paid attention to his solo queue to see how much he's done that. But it certainly seems like an Adrian-style champion, and I'd love to see exactly how that marks out. The other one I want to pay a little bit of attention to is the Impact versus Huni top lane. Obviously, Impact had a rougher split last split, and it's very easy to look at that NRG team and say that they underperformed as a whole. But Impact went from being a guy who you could trust to win his lane pretty much every game to a guy that was falling behind nearly every game last split. And against a team like Immortals, you just do not want to let Huni get going. I think this is when Impact has to prove that he's still capable of bringing it on a game-in and game-out basis. And who else to do it against than a fellow Korean who's made a big name for himself by doing all the things that Impact used to do. So, Walter, where do you think the line is on this game? 
again, these teams might be a little closer at the end of the season, but I think Immortals, because they didn't have any roster changes at all, are going to be favorites. And I actually have them as fairly heavy favorites, uh, at least in my eyes. I have Immortals at minus 220. Okay, you and I split this because I also said minus 220. Heavy favorites was correct. Minus 220 is not what Unicorn considers heavy, apparently. It is minus 500. That is Cloud9 plus 325. I What? I have... Like, what? Seriously? I, I have to bring Unicorn aside for a second. You got to do the asides yesterday. I'm going to do one today. Uh, dear Unicorn, Cloud9 is a legitimate League of Legends team. Why? Why would you make the line this high? How, like, I understand that Immortals went 17-1 in the regular season, but these are best of series, and it's Cloud9. They tend to be really good at those. They just got Reaper, who might be one of the best coaches in North America, if he executes the way that we've seen him do in previous stops as a head coach. Really? Minus 500. Really? For, for a Cloud9 team that, that was... a you know, a solid playoff team that, you know, ran into a TSM that was kind of destined to make it in. Minus 500. That's all I can say. That's all I can say. I, I okay. Did, that is, that is, that is a level of disrespect normally that I have for Jack. <laughs> that is, that is some, that is some disrespect. Holy moly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess the, the gamblers are just terrified of what happens when high isn't around, but I mean, at some point, you have to believe that they actually trained Bunny Fufu how to do this whole shot calling thing. Like, he was on the bench since week two. He's had plenty well, of time to live in that gaming house and learn under the system. Well, we say that. However, with the announcement that Smoothie has been added to the Challenger scene, apparently there was also a, a statement that said he would be potentially splitting time with Bunny Fufu. Uh, Smoothie was the support that started the regular season for uh, Team Liquid and only played one game, maybe two. Uh, but he was signed to the Cloud9 Challenger team, and there is potential that they could bring him up if Bunny Fufu doesn't work out. So I'm not sure how much trust they have or how much faith that they have in Bunny Fufu and this team's ability to have any type of shot calling outside of having high. Well, So it'll be very curious. I I'm going to call that a worrying trend then, but not so worrying that I'd put Cloud9 at plus 325. We might have to come back to that. Let's move on. Uh, Echo Fox versus Phoenix One. I, I don't want to spend too much time on this series, mostly because the idea of spending too much time on Phoenix One is something that kind of hurts my heart a little bit. Apparently, they're starting someone named Zentinel as their starting jungler, a guy that is a North American player, and that's literally all I know about him. He has a red link on Esportspedia, which is almost unheard of when we talk about guys who have made it into the actual LCS. But this is where we are. Brandini's gone, so any of that hype we had for him in the preseason is absolutely not worth holding on to. They've got Zig now in that top spot. So, Walter, is there anything about this Phoenix One team that you think indicates they can keep their own with Froggen and, and the rest of this Echo Fox roster? Nah. No, not really. Uh, th this will be a nice test for KFO and, and Hard in particular to see if the boot camping in Korea, if that full spring split, 
if any of that did anything to their growth, because if they can come out and they can just beat up on on what I consider a very easy opponent in the North American LCS, and there is a chance that Phoenix One comes out and surprises us at some point, like Tip did surprise us for a few weeks during the regular season. If they can, that's great. That bodes well. Perfect. You need to beat up on the worst team in the league and get those wins when you can. If Phoenix One gives them problems, then that also says something not only about Phoenix One's chances of being a semi-decent team, but also for Echo Fox's chances of even contending for a playoff spot. Because when you look at North America, it's pretty stacked comparatively. Comparatively from top to bottom, like it's a pretty stacked region where you feel like eight teams essentially could take a, a match off of you know, one another. Sure. CLG versus, let's say, Envious. CLG is probably going to win more of the series, but there is a world that you live in where Envious could take a series off of CLG. There is that chance. So this is going to be a very defining early season game, early season series for Echo Fox and Phoenix to put in our heads where we think they're actually going to place and whether certain matchups are going to be stomps, whether they're going to be close, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I don't think that if you're Echo Fox, KFO and Hard need to beat up Zig and Sentinel every time. If they can't, then I'm already willing to write them off as a potential playoff team. Because if you can't beat Zig and Sentinel, you're not good enough to play at the playoff level that all these LCS teams are going to be going for. This needs to be a statement game from Echo Fox. This needs to be the... Let's prove that we were correct in running this entire team back for making zero roster changes in the offseason, even though we were perfectly capable of doing so. They have plenty of infrastructure with this team. They could have gone out and invested. They chose to stick with these five guys. Now's the time for them to prove that that was the right decision, and you do that by beating teams like Phoenix 1. Where do you think the line is on this, Walter? I have Echo Fox at minus 175. Okay, I get this one. You were too low. I said it was Echo Fox minus 250. It is actually Echo Fox minus 313. So Phoenix won at plus 225. Which again, that sounds high until I ask you the question, would you take Phoenix one at plus 225 here? And the answer to that is no, I don't think you would. Probably not. Yeah. I probably wouldn't. But I can see a world where Echo Fox loses to Phoenix One. Like, there is the smallest of chance if Hard and KFO just haven't improved. Yeah. There's a small chance. It's, it's a small chance. This isn't chance. like, you know, Giants versus Origin or something yesterday. Like, you know, th- there is a small chance of it happening. I just think that, again, the higher Unicorn goes this early on in the season, like there's just going to be no value in certain games when we get towards the end of the season. And to me, this is a worrying trend as a gambler trying to make money long-term. Yeah. Well, the hope is that this week just goes crazy and it blows all the unicorn algorithms out of the water and just allows it to kind of reset. But yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I, I don't have a lot of faith in Phoenix one, so I'm perfectly okay with where this ended up. But let's move on to Envy versus uh, Team Liquid here. Obviously, we talked about Envious earlier in the podcast. Liquid is a team that came on strong towards the end of the split, 
Uh, Dardock obviously was a huge part of that. He will not be playing this week. We have that confirmed on LOL Esports that it's going to be Moon, which changes the formula here for them uh, in a potentially drastic way. Walter, what do you think happens to Liquid when they have to play Moon in this? You know, can they still play the same overall strategy or are they going to have to adjust in terms of how they attack this envious roster? Absolutely not. Moon, while he can play aggressive and he can play like Nidalee fairly well and he can play Kindred very well, was not the same type of player that Dardock was. Dardock was Russell Westbrook, since we're just coming off of the NBA Conference Finals and I'm still pissed that Curry won. He's a Russell Westbrook where he just doesn't care. He's going to constantly invade. He's going to be constantly on top of you. His motor's going... 150% of the time at 150%. Like that was what Dardock was where Moon is much more reserved. He isn't just this relentless force that's constantly ganking, constantly invading, constantly getting vision, constantly influencing the map. And maybe some of that has to do with the preparation and the players that will be around him. Maybe he didn't feel confident on that energy roster, but he couldn't get it to work with GBM or impact. And again, now he still has two Koreans that he has to work with. So I am very worried about Liquid this early on in the season, especially if they're going to be playing Moon, because Moon, for the majority of the spring split, did not look very good. He had a couple games here and there where you thought, okay, maybe this is the guy I thought he was going to be, but the consistency just was not there. Yeah. Here's my concern with him. He just looked unconfident at a lot of times when uh, he was on stage. You could just see that he wouldn't fully invest in making a play, even when there were opportunities. He wanted to kind of sit back and wait and, and wait for something to develop so he can uh, the clearest play. But he wasn't willing to take the same risks that Dardock was. Dardock is a playmaker. Moon is a guy who will take opportunities when they're given to him. And that's a very different style of play. That changes the way that Phoenix can play the mid lane against Ninja, who, as I've pointed out already on this podcast, loves making aggressive trades and loves challenging the enemy jungler to come in and make a play against him. And Dardock, I think, makes those plays 100% of the time. Moon, I'm not so sure. And especially if, you know, if I'm Moon, all I've been doing this last week is watching everyone on Reddit and social media talk about, oh, Dardock isn't playing? Liquid's screwed. This is a huge problem. Dardock is the best, and now they're stuck with Moon. Like, this is... That can get in your head. That's one of those things where certain players rise to the occasion when they hear those things, and certain players really falter under that kind of pressure. And I'm very concerned that Moon can be that guy. On the other hand, it's Piglet and Matt versus Laud and Hakuo. And that's not to say that Lod and Hakuo are the worst bot lane in the league, but Piglet and Matt are really, really good at this. And it's hard for me to imagine that Liquid shouldn't be the favorites given just how overpowering that bot lane can be. If you're envious, Walter, how do you try to attack that bot lane to minimize the pressure that Piglet can have in just hard carrying the game? I mean, that's when you're just going to have Proxen just camp that lane and really camp the mid and the bottom lane. But that's not the Seraph and Ninja style. That would be what you would want to do is just have the jungler come by and, and relieve some pressure. Um, 
The one thing I, I can say here is set up the lane swap, get into that lane swap scenario, take the towers, whether you're gonna take both outer towers in the side lanes or just one of them, and then try and set up a freeze so Lod can stay away from Piglet as long as possible so he can scale up, so he can get his items till they get to a point where they can match up against Piglet. And right now, this meta sits perfectly for Piglet. Ezreal, Caitlyn, Lucian, all these really core 80 carries are all things that Piglet plays and excels at. And even if you put Lod on something that has a lot of utility for the entire team, Callista definitely has dropped off, or like Sivir, that is then, you know, that's then limiting what he's going to be able to do in a lane potentially against Piglet. And Matt has shown that he is very, very good at playing the range supports. That's really what he prefers to play, the Janas, the Bards, going into the Karmas, going into the Sorakas, going all the way down the North American support style meta, where Hakuo definitely did better on the tanks, on the Alistars, on the Brahms, and they just aren't effective into a double range bot lane. So if you're envious, you have to stick to the game plan, which is what is best for you, which is you have to get Seraph and Ninja going against Lorlo and Phoenix, and you have to hope that by getting that much pressure on Seraph's lane, you get him far enough ahead that he can just absolutely disrupt the team fighting capabilities of Piglet, who, in my opinion, is one of the best positioning 80 carries in North America. Yeah, I was going to say, disrupting Piglet is easier said than done, especially when you look at the kind of champions that Matt plays. If the Bard gets through, if something like a Taric gets through, that's another support who I really want to see if he pulls out the Taric pick. There are so many ways to make sure that Piglet just survives in these fights, and Piglet's positioning is so immaculate as a general rule anyway. If Envious is going to win this series, they're going to have to win it in pick and ban, and they're going to have to do it by giving themselves enough options to neutralize Piglet before he starts going off. Because if Piglet gets his resources, if Piglet's playing the way that Piglet likes to play, this is going to be a rough series for Envious. But Walter, all of this taken into account, where do you think the line is? Despite the Dardock suspension, I think that there's less faith in Envious's lineup. So I have Team Liquid at minus 175. You are correct in the fact that Liquid has uh, a lot more faith in their lineup than Envious does on Unicorn. Uh, you underestimated just how little faith there is in Envious right now. I guessed Liquid minus 250. It's minus 286 which is just a massive amount of respect for Liquid for what they did last split, and also a point of evidence that maybe Unicorn doesn't take suspensions into account when doing their odds, because that is what I would expect the odds to be if Dardock was around. With Moon starting, I feel like that is a little bit high. Yeah, that's that's extremely disrespectful to Envy, uh, especially when there is a, a jungle change that happened you know, a couple of weeks before the regular season started. And jungling is is an art form. It's not something that you can easily swap people in and out. Unicorns of love aside, it's not something where you can just constantly be moving people in and out of the position and have success. So I'm, I'm very curious about Envious here as a potential, potential smart money bet. Yeah, we could go all in on Envious as a smart money bet this week. I'm okay with this. But let's look at the next series of games. Uh, it's the last game on Saturday, Apex versus NRG. We've obviously talked about NRG already and all of the intricacies of their roster. Apex announced on LOL Esports today what their starting five is going to be. So I'm going to just start with this question, Walter. 
why is Apex not using one of their import slots in this opening match? Why Apollo? I don't understand. Help me understand. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. I really don't. I have no clue. Uh, and I, I guess we just have to have faith in Saint and, and Crumbs and the the staff over at Apex that they have some sort of plan. But, uh, yeah, I have no clue. I have no clue why Apollo is playing in the LCS still. I have no clue why he's even on this roster. Uh, but, yeah, he's apparently the starting AD carry, and uh, he's going to get to play against OQ. Yeah, the, <laughs> the fact AD that... carry who crushed him in relegation tournament. <laughs> yeah, the fact that this is how it's going to go, and this is the bot lane that they've opted into, tells me that Roar might have lost the game of, are they bad or are they just on IM? that Skylar and I always like to play on this podcast. It's it's not ideal, certainly, to have such a pass uh, bot laner when you're going up against OQ and Kiwi Kid. It's literally the opposite of what you're looking for. I guess if you're Apex, your argument is going to be that you don't need to carry through your bot lane because Keen will neutralize GBM, and then I, I guess the idea is you play through Chris. This just seems like a terrible idea. I, what, like, what, what is the path to victory for Apex with that five-man roster? Who do you play through? Shrimp. Shrimp and Chris and Keen, I guess. That's, that's kind of what you're doing, and you're just playing Apollo and, and Expecial is like a very passive bot lane, like exactly like how Dignitas played it, of just leave Apollo in a lane with a frozen, you know, frozen farm, essentially, and let Expecial roam. I it didn't work for Dignitas. I don't know why you think it's gonna work here. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious by the choice. I'm curious why both Apollo and Chris are starting as opposed to Roar or Ray. It, it's very possible that Chris is just in because they can't. You know, they need to do the three of five for the first game in, uh, of the split. However, that doesn't explain why Apollo is here. I I don't know how Roar did in scrims, but if you can't be better than Apollo. There are big problems for this Apex Gaming roster. That is an absolute concern to me. Walter, where do you think the line is here? I have energy at minus 150, but I know I'm wrong. You're not as wrong as you think you are. I said minus 160. It is minus 200. So you and I guessed about the same. I, I Again, I, I think that that's maybe a little high for NRG just because we haven't seen them play yet. I'm not willing to be so confident that all of these pieces are going to come together, that Quas and Santorin are going to be these amazing players straight out of the gate. But I don't think Apex has really given themselves much of a path to succeed, which leaves us to Sunday's game, Apex versus CLG. Now, obviously, just because this Apex starting roster has been announced does not mean that they're not going to use the rest of their 10-man roster, but regardless of what version of this roster they send out there, Walter, is there a path to victory against a team as refined as CLG right now? I I don't think so for, for Apex in particular. I think, again, it's going to have to run through the jungler, whether it's Shrimp or Diamond Prox, and they're really going to have to help what are arguably weaker lanes, no matter what players you put out there against CLG. Um, I guess you could try and get Keen some sort of cheesy pick to get Kui off tilt. But at the same time, it's a best of three. You have to beat CLG in two games. And there's just very few teams in North America that I think are capable of doing that right now. So I don't think Apex is very close 
to CLG's level at all. Yeah, that's the problem. If you're if you're gonna have a best of three victory against CLG, you really need to have a way to punish who he and do it consistently. And Apex is like you said, is just not designed for that. Where do you think the line is? So this is this is my second highest line in my guess. I have CLG minus five hundred. Okay, you get this one. I, I went too low. I just thought, okay, clearly, you know, it's it's week one. We don't know how good all of this, you know, this Apex gaming team is going to be, you know, and with this 10-man roster, maybe teams will kind of, you know, maybe the line will be a little bit closer than we think. I went minus 300, which was way too low. It is minus 769, second highest line of the week. Still super disrespectful in my opinion, but this is a little less egregious than some of these other ones because CLG is the champion, Apex was the only team that qualified through the promotion tournament. So I, th- I think it, it's fair, but it's still a little high in my opinion. Yeah, th- there's a big difference between, you know, Cloud9 at plus 325. I would consider that. I'm not sure if we're going to make it one of our smart money bets, but it's at least in consideration. I don't take Apex at plus 450. I guess that's the difference here. It's higher and it's still probably too much too fast. But at least I kind of understand why you would have it so low for Apex. I, I, I get where it's coming from. But let's move on. TSM versus Team Liquid. This is a series I'm actually really interested in. It's the one that we didn't get to see in the playoffs. And of course, Moon is not you know the same as Dardock. It does make a big difference here. But... You know, Biofrost, we, we talk about being challenged against CLG. He's going to be challenged again with this Matt Piglet bot lane. Walter, what does TSM need to do to make sure that Doublelift and Biofrost get off on the right foot in this series? Well, it, they need to allow their, their solo laners and Svenskaren to play to their style, play how they want to, allow Haunters to take over top lane against Lurlu, who I think is a slightly weaker top laner. And again, it might just be shooting to try and get out of the 2v2 lane. I, teams were doing this against Team Liquid, period. Even Stixay and, and Aphromu, who turned into one of the better bot lanes in North America last split, were actively trying to get out of that lane in the early parts of the game, just because how good Matt and Piglet are together. So... The path to victory there is perhaps again, it's the lane swap. Make sure that the uh, the double lift and biofrost can stay safe during the laning phase, and then get to team fighting phase. And again, just hoping that Bjergsen or Haunters or Svenskaren or even potentially biofrost are disrupting team fights and trying to get Piglet to auto attack inefficient targets or to not auto attack at all. That's really what it comes down to because. Piglet, without Dardock, is the primary carry on this team. And even though Phoenix has shown he's a very good Azir player, he didn't have the same sort of impact on games with Azir towards the end of the spring split. It it seemed to be slightly lacking. Well, I will say, in Phoenix's defense, I think that he has evolved into far more than just the Azir player that people were calling him in the summer split last year. He played on a whole bunch of different champions, in the spring split. He had winning records on Corky, Lux, Lulu, Zed, Lissandra, Cassiopeia, uh, Azir, Karma. I mean, he played a lot of different things. So he's definitely evolved in that regard. I don't think it's as simple as stop him from getting Azir and Bjergsen will be able to win outright. 
But I do absolutely agree that the key for TSM is just putting pressure on those other lanes. If you make Piglet have to solo carry, there's too much talent on the rest of TSM's roster for one guy to crush them twice. I could see Piglet having one game that just easily goes Liquid's way because he gets a good lane, uh, a good lead in the first 10 minutes of his lane and takes over from there. But when you've got to do it multiple times, you have to have other paths to victory. So the key for TSM, in my opinion, is to shut those paths down, crush Lorlo, try to put a whole bunch of pressure on Phoenix and win that 2v2 because without Dardock there, that 2v2 is looking a lot better for you. And like you said, that puts Pieglet in a tough spot where he has to play inefficiently to try to carry the team here. Walter, where do you think the line is on this series? At the end of the day, I think TSM are favorites, even though both rosters have made some small changes. Uh, I feel like TSM's is less impactful as opposed to losing Dardock for at least this week. So I have TSM at minus 160. Okay, you and I split this one. So you're not out of it quite yet. Uh, you have to win both of these next two games if you want to win the week. Which is possible because I did not I was not particularly close on either of them. But I said minus one sixty as well. TSM minus three oh three. So that's liquid at plus two twenty. I can't decide whether that's okay or not. You know, it it it's moon, so I'm a lot more inclined to say that maybe there shouldn't be as much confidence here, but plus two twenty just seems really high for a team that has Piglet and Phoenix on it, both of whom can carry games in the right situation. Yeah, I, I still think it's disrespectful. I still think it's disrespectful. Even though you are changing from Dardock to Moon, the core of this team is still the same. You still have Piglet. You still have Phoenix. You still have Matt. You still have Lorlo. And as much as Dardock was able to accomplish with this team, and as much as he was a catalyst for their success... To me, I'm not just looking at the difference between TSM and Team Liquid here. I'm also looking at now... Well, now this is telling me there's almost a 600-point difference, approximately, between TSM and Envious. And that, to me, is almost crazy. I don't think that the league should be that incredibly far apart. And it just doesn't look good when I'm looking into the future going, okay, so when TSM plays against Envious, Envious is going to have really, really good odds. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I have to say, as someone who's already seen the futures, which we'll get to at the end of this podcast, I can tell you now that the gap between what unicorn sees as the top three teams and everyone else is massive. And we're seeing that in the lines this week. And I'm very curious to see how these best of threes shake that up. I think there's a huge amount of potential for some of these things to get turned around, but we have two more series to talk about. Let's go to echo Fox versus cloud nine. Obviously we, we talked about how echo Fox is, is running this back. Walter, what would this series mean for Echo Fox if they could, you know, pull this together against Cloud9? Is this one of those series where if we believe they're a playoff team, they need to be able to at least grab a game in this series? Or is this something where the matchup might lend itself to be a little bit more understanding if things don't go their way? This is not a must win by by any circumstances, but... The better Echo Fox looks in this match, the more games they win. If they win one, if they win the series, if they don't win any, the more it tells us about them as contenders over the course of the entire split. Again, they have Phoenix one as their first game of the week. And if they crush that, awesome. That means that they are above what we consider the weakest team. Then if they can contest Cloud9, 
who was the fifth, sixth place team. So it was one or two spots right above Echo Fox at the end of last split. If they can test that, then it goes, okay, maybe Echo Fox is really a playoff team. Maybe they are looking good. Maybe keeping KFO and keeping hard and keeping this core together in the 12 games that they played together, they did go six and six. They went 500 as a core five unit. So if they had had more games, would they have done better? I, we don't quite know, and this this matchup is a great start of a team that's in the similar tier as them to prove their stuff. And if KFO and Hard can go up against Medios and Impact, that says a lot about where Echo Fox is going to end the split and potentially where Cloud9 is going to end the split. Yeah, absolutely. This is one of those where if Echo Fox is a playoff team, they have to be able to hold their own, at least in, to some regard. You want to believe that Froggen is going to match up favorably against Jensen. If you're an Echo Fox fan, that you know top lane jungle synergy you pointed out is really going to be the point of evidence because Cloud9 is going to have the better bot lane here, more likely than not. Sneaky is a very, very, very good laning AD carry, a guy who has a very good sense of uh, when to push forward and use his positioning to grab some extra objectives for his team. And Bunny Fufu is a great mechanical support. For all the failings that they had when he was playing for them, it was not his mechanics that cost them. It was the lack of shot calling and decisive movements around the map. He will be able to play the lane rather well, and Keith and Big are passive enough that I think Cloud9 has the advantage there. I think Cloud9 should be the favorites, but if Echo Fox is going to be a playoff team, you'd imagine they'd want to grab some games here. You'd imagine that this is their chance to show... You know, beating Phoenix one would essentially be saying, at the very least, we're a good bad team where we beat up on the bad teams and, you know, we still have to prove how we do against the good ones. This is a good team. This is a good team that isn't so far out of their range that we should expect them to roll over, but is also good enough that if they pull off the victory here, it says a lot about them moving forward. Walter, where do you see the line for this game? At the end of the day, C9 did finish ahead of them in the end season rankings. We think that they may have made some improvements uh, in the top lane impact over balls. So I'm going to say that Cloud9 is at minus 225. Okay, you get this one. So I get to start All being right. a little bit worried now. All right. I said Cloud9 minus 180. I just figured that people were going to be a little bit scared off until we finally saw how this team looks when High isn't on the roster. It is mm-hmm. Cloud9 minus 270 to put Echo Fox at plus 200 there. And I think there's some value there. I, I think you're, you're right. You're, you are right for the pre-call. I am seeing some value here in the North American side if you're willing to take a little bit of a risk. Absolutely. We're going to have to – this is one of those things where we're going to have to narrow down which three smart money bets we throw out there. But before we do that, let's wrap up this last game. Uh, Immortals versus Phoenix 1. One of these teams went 17-1 last split. The other is Phoenix 1. Walter, where do you think the line is on this game? There's no need for analysis. I mean, that's <laughs> I just that I wrapped up the entire series right there. There's there's the, the gap here is so massive. So where do you think the line is? I, I mean, you're you're absolutely right. One one team that had troubles and were forced to sell their their roster and you know barely made it out of the relegation tournament and one team was 17 and one so i have immortals minus 2000 that is my high line yeah um you are correct uh we we pushed the week uh because of this so it is now two and one after week one in my favor uh i said minus 600 
because I am a fool who did not realize just how high Unicorn was going to go. The actual line, which is one of the highest lines I have ever seen on this podcast, including when SKT went off against Supermassive, minus 5,000. We've had a minus 10,000 before. We have had a minus 10,000 before, but this is still very high. This is still... This is still rather high here. That gives Phoenix one at plus 1,050, which, for the record, I still don't take, which is about the most damning thing I could say about Phoenix one, that at plus 1,050, I'm still not interested in that line as a, as a smart money bet. So let's get into the actual smart money bets. Can we just, uh, I'm assuming we're taking both of the envy lines here. Because Envious plus 165 against NRG and plus 210 against Liquid both seem really captivating to me. I, I like both of those, actually. Those are actually both very, very interesting lines to take. And I think that we're, we're not we're kind of living on the the rumors and the the fly on the wall stuff that we've heard coming out of. Oh, Envious, you know, Renegades, we think we're a top two team in North America. So, all right, Seraph, I'm going to bet on you this week. Put up or shut up. Well, all they need to do is win one of those series and we'll make our money backs. And I do believe they're going to go at least one and one. And I actually, I, I've loved Ninja since he first hit the scene. I've been one of those guys that's been saying that when he gets a chance to play for a full split, he's going to be terrifying. Uh, so I definitely think that this team could just straight up be good, even without the fly on the wall stuff. I, I like the way this roster is built. Definitely looking forward to seeing it in action. But we need one more, Walter. We could take Echo Fox plus 200 over Cloud9 and just okay. say that we have no idea whether Cloud9 shot calling is going to be there. And Echo Fox needs to, to prove that they can be that kind of playoff team. There's got to be a reason they ran this roster back. Uh, yeah. The other one I'm looking at, we could say that there's a really nice line when you look at plus 325 for Cloud9 against Immortals. That's those aren't bad odds. Uh, that that one I don't see happening though. It's not likely. I think I, I think Echo Fox over Cloud Nine is more likely to happen than Cloud Nine over Immortals. That's fair. I, I'm okay. I'm I'm happy with that. Unless there's another and one. And let's that pops not up to forget. You. And let's not forget. Cloud Nine has not won a game without High as a starting player on their team. That is true. Let's not forget so, that. So let's uh let's lock those in. Envious plus one sixty five over NRG. Envious plus 210 over Team Liquid, and Echo Fox plus 200 over Cloud9. Those are our smart money bets. Walter, should we go over some futures here? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. I want to – I. okay, so the the best odds for winning are CLG. That is incorrect. Immortals? It's Immortals. Ooh. Complete lack of respect for the reigning champs. Okay. I, I've never seen that before. The reigning champs and the team that got third both ran the same roster back. And despite going seven and three at MSI and making the finals, T CLG is not the favorite. That is incredible to me. I, I guess it's a testament to just how dominant Immortals was in the regular season. But you don't pick these teams because they're going to win. You know, it, it's, it's just it's a very weird situation for me. I've never seen this before. But where do you think the Immortals line is? Plus 200. Plus 190. Very close. Okay. C Fair. CLG is around the same place at plus 215. So it's okay. not too far off. Still, it's putting them at second is a little bit surprising to me. 
Interesting. Who do you think is third? TSM. That is correct. Where do you think the line is? Plus 250. Plus 275. Which I think okay. there's a little bit of value there. Okay, there's a little I, value I don't there. think that's out of play. The next three teams, all of which are at plus 1,200. We have a nearly 1,000 gap okay. between the next three teams. Cloud9, Liquid, Energy. Correct. Which puts Echo Fox at plus 2,500. Here, here's one of those value picks I really like. Uh, Envious at plus 4,000. Envious, Envious is a long... Like, if you want to pick a long shot out of either league, Envious, I think, has the best chance out of either North America or Europe to, like, be a long shot odd to win their title. It's, it's again, it's only because it's so high at plus 4,000, which, by the way, is the exact same odds they give Apex. And I don't know why we think that Envious and Apex are similar quality teams, but I guess we'll see after this week. Uh, certainly someone has some faith in Apex in some of these lines. And then Phoenix won. How high do you think it is, Walter? Plus 10,000. Plus 15,000. <laughs> in other words, Phoenix <laughs> won is not winning the North American LCS. It's... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, thanks for playing, I, I guess. Maybe. I, I'm not even sure we're going to thank them for playing since we have to watch them twice a week. But, you know, <laughs> who knows? Maybe they'll surprise us. And hopefully uh, we surprised you guys with some awesome mic quality here on this podcast. Uh, and I'm very proud of this new mic here. I wasn't going to say anything about it, but I, I love the new setup here. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited about uh, how things are going to go on Slingshot. Hopefully you guys are really enjoying the show. If you are... You should definitely check us out uh, if you go to soundcloud.com slash esports rough drafts or on iTunes. If you search rough drafts under the podcast section, you can subscribe on either of those places and you will get all of our episodes moving forward. Obviously, all our guests of the Lions podcasts are presented by Slingshot Esports. We love working with those guys. We love having the podcast hosted on their site. And uh, we love all the work that their writers do over there. They're constantly producing quality content covering multiple different esports. So we're very happy to uh, to be working with them and be a part of that web they're building over there. Obviously, you can follow us on social media. Uh, you can find me at RedShirtKing. Walter, where can the nice people at home find you? You guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL. Awesome. And maybe you guys like live tweeting during games. I know a lot of people are into that. We have our own Twitter just for the podcast. It is at Rough Drafts Pod. You can come in. We're going to be doing live tweets as well as keeping you guys up to date with all of the episodes that we do and any articles that either of us write. So definitely follow that if you're one of those people that likes to follow along on game day with your favorite analysts. And if you want to have a conversation about this podcast, meet up with some of the other fans, uh, people that are really enjoying this stuff, you should go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Pod. We're all in on the social media now. We've, we've figured it out. Um, we're still enjoying that great logo that Christine Frappe made for us, as well as the great theme song that you guys heard at the opening here. Uh, it's It's been really awesome with this new relaunch. I hope you guys are enjoying it. Come back next week. We have three podcasts on the way. Obviously, our Guest of the Lions podcast will be running. Uh, the European one runs every Wednesday. North America every Thursday, but we've also got a special guest that you guys should be hearing from on Tuesday that I think you guys are really going to enjoy. So until then, goodbye, Internet.